Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I know that I must do what's right. Sure as KCAA Loma Linda. 10.50 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. California headline news. Some of the passengers who have been quarantined on a cruise ship are now back in the United States. Bob Young, a Berkeley resident, is now being quarantined at Travis Air Force Base and says there were passengers on his flight back to the U.S. who had tested positive for coronavirus. They had a number of people that were segregated on the airplane. They had a, uh, a plastic tarpaulin uh, area set up that's where they put them. He calls the whole experience uncomfortable. An investigation is now underway after three bodies were discovered next to a grave in a Paris cemetery. The Riverside County Sheriff's Department says the Paris Valley Cemetery is currently closed to the public. And the former boyfriend of well-known sex therapist Dr. Amy Harwick has been arrested on suspicion of murder in her death. Harwick was found this weekend on the ground beneath a third-story balcony, shocking neighbors. My heart goes out to her family and, and her loved ones and everything like that because this is, you would never expect something like this to happen especially up here. Police were initially called to a Hollywood Hills home in reference to a woman screaming. Steve Clawson, California News. Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, who's the greatest of all time? For my money, it's Progressive's Home and Auto Bundle. It literally saves you money. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Look, it's simple. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And all the heroes take away the zeros. And what you got? One big trophy of me saying I told you so. I disagree. Thanks, fellas. Took the words right out of my mouth. There's really no debate. Progressive Home and Auto Bundle is a winning combination. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. America is a great big country. Filled with all kinds of different people. And we all count. That's why the 2020 Census wants to make sure we're all counted. Why is it so important? Because the census helps inform how hundreds of billions of dollars will be spent each year for things like new roads, health clinics, even more school programs. So make sure you're counted. Because you count. Shape your future. Start here. Learn more at 2020census.gov. Paid for by U.S. Census Bureau. NBC News Radio, I'm Phil Hewlett. The first results are in from New Hampshire's first in the nation primary. Three small towns held midnight votes, and the winners are President Trump and Amy Klobuchar. Michael Bloomberg isn't on the New Hampshire primary ballot, but he won the town of Dixville, Knox, with three write-in votes. New Hampshire has a little less than a million registered voters. President Trump and Vice President Pence paid their respects last night to two soldiers killed in Afghanistan over the weekend. The men were killed Saturday when an Afghan soldier opened fire with a machine gun. The first American infected with the coronavirus and evacuated from China is back in a San Diego hospital after being mistakenly released. Health officials say the patient was released Monday after an initial test indicated he was not infected. America's small business owners' optimism continues near all-time highs. The January mark is in the top 10% of all readings in the survey's 46-year history. Phil Hewlett, NBC News Radio. With 60 years of fascinating facts, this is the man from yesterday. And going back in time to this time in 1991, one of the funniest movie moments is a scene from Hot Shots Part 2, when Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen, passing each other on boats, exclaim, I loved you in Wall Street. I loved you in Wall Street! We'll settle this the old Navy way. First guy to die, losers! And back in time to this time in 1969, Apple Records releases a brand new album from a brand new artist named James Taylor. And Paul McCartney plays bass guitar on at least one of those James Taylor songs. And ain't it just like a friend of mine to hit me from behind? Yes, I'm gone to Carolina in my mind. And from this time in 1976, TV stations carrying Emergency in syndication reruns this fall will use Emergency 1 as the episode's title to avoid confusion with the ongoing NBC TV Saturday Night series. Squad 51, stand by for response. 
Roy, we're going to lose our helicopter in 10 minutes. We better get him out of there. 10 4, I'll call you when I'm ready for the pickup. With more at manfromyesterday.com. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill for pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 800-206-6752 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 800-206-6752 to take your call now. Call 800-206-6752. That's 800-206-6752. Again, 800-206-6752. If you plan to run for any public office or if you're an elected official with a tough campaign ahead, you definitely need a radio show on KCAA to build your brand and attract voters. Think about it. You can broadcast and podcast a weekly show on KCAA for $150 a week for an entire year, production included, and spend less than the cost of a fancy mailbox stuffer that voters throw in the trash. Your one-hour radio program will be carried on three frequencies every week in the Inland Empire. 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. So if you plan to run for any public office, call us at 281-599-9800, and our CEO will personally help you. Get started today on KCAA, the stations that leave no listeners behind. Call 281-599-9800 for details. I love San Bernardino County Radio Show on 106.5 FM, 102.3 FM, 10:50 AM, where we will talk politics, culture, and history. We got some great guests for us today. Uh, we got uh, um, Dan Flores running for uh, county supervisor in the in the, the fifth district, the fifth district. I need to learn my districts better. And uh, we got Lu- Luis Blanco in the house. How you doing, San Bernardino? Right there. Yeah. We're going to talk about um, his uh, life story a little bit and uh, how he went from uh, pretty much from uh, living in the hood to becoming a successful businessman and uh, um, uh, investigator with the best or kind of a, we'll, a government employee. Government employee. Well, we'll get into that. Then, of course, we got our guest host here, Oliver Chavez in the house and Scott Olson. Always got some good information to add for everything. And, uh, you know, I really do appreciate what, what you guys bring to the show. And I, I want to thank Oliver also for, like, finding some extra um, uh, sponsors here for our show. Um, and one of those sponsors that we have is uh, Celebrities over on 40th Street. It's located at 127 West 40th Street in San Bernardino. And they have the North End Food, Music, and Art Festival every Sunday from 12 p.m. to 8, 8 p.m. Is that correct, Oliver? 8 p.m., yes. Yeah. And uh, I went to the last one. Um, it was cool. We had uh, Funnel Cake Fridays over there and uh, um, some ribs and a few other things. But we're going to slowly build and get bigger. And it's every Sunday. So if you're, you know, you'd like to get some uh, catered, like, free permit for a month or something like that. You know, like... Like, to make it equitable, so, like, not just the rich um, vendors can get in there, but actually uh, others that are just trying to start out, like old Carl's Jr. did back in the day when at this hot dog stand, you know? That would be cool to, like, to see, you know, wouldn't that be cool if, like, somebody from San Bernardino started out with, well, like, Albert Acura, 
You know, like start out with like chickens and take it, you know, big time. Everybody needs a little help. All right. I'd also like to mention Brit Beat Entertainment by Nick Carney for high-end DJing. And any wedding or party you call him, he will hit you up. He's on BritBeatEntertainment.com. I'm wearing their clothes. He's, he's got his merch on me, man. He's a really great guy. He, uh, he's uh, uh, Manel uh, Iskander's uh, uh, man from over there at the Green Shack. So he's also my, um, one of my, uh, the owners of Musicology. <laughs> So tying in with celebrities, on Thursday at 5 o'clock, we're having the, the season opening of Musicology at um, Celebrities on 40th. Um, come on down. We'll be down there at 11. Um, I'll be over there signing autographs. We'll have the other hosts in there, hopefully some of the bands too. Have a drink, you know, uh, eat some great celebrities' food, and have a great time. So we'd love to see you down there. And, uh, and then also uh, I'd like to mention that Mr. Ramos has a meet and greet at the Mexico restaurant that day at 7 o'clock to 8 p.m. So I'm going to kind of try to do both there. So if you want to see me, I won't be there at that one little section, but i got to support Mr. Ramos. He's a great man, and I'll be flying over there real quick, get some pictures, and head on back. I, I really believe that Mr. Ramos could uh, take us to the Senate here in the local area, maybe even the presidency. So we'll see how that goes. i also like to mention Brian Davison for the 5th Ward of San Bernardino City Council. He's a cool dude. Check out BrianDavison2020.com for more information. And uh, me and Brian, uh, we've been working a lot um, together over the years. Uh, we did a, um, a food uh, a giveaway at the Homo Neighborly Services with Mr. Scott Olson over there. And we worked hard at it, and it worked well. Uh, unfortunately, politics got in the way, and they made us shut it down. But it, we still fed a lot of people. How many people do you think we fed during that time? Like 10,000 oh, we maybe? To, literally, we were averaging over 100 families a week. It was it was it was a great but thing. But it wasn't just we went from a lot of food programs give out crackers and can you know pretty well junk food, and they don't get a whole lot. And when we before time we went, we had pallets of meat, eggnog, vegetables, milk, yeah. vegetables, greens. I mean we were just cranking it out, not just to the home name with services, but where we're doing what we could to help Mary's table. We were trying to help. We were trying to help Frazy and all of that, and even some stuff went to the Salvation Army. We, we did about, what was it, 26 or 28 pallets within a two-month period of fresh food on top of everything. So, so this is all Brian Dave. I mean, he helped put uh, Brian's all ability to pull that job. stuff in. I did the logistics side of it, but 100% of the credit goes to Brian for making it happen. And, it and, was his and efforts he, and his was, money. It was real love, too. He's, he wasn't doing it to run for office or anything. Yeah. He was doing it he would because literally he take out, the people. He would literally take time out of his work day and pay for a U-Haul to bring all of the stuff in there. He was paying the light bill. The guy was writing checks for the place so the doors wouldn't close. He's very he's very religious, uh, but like he doesn't let the religion f filter yeah. into his he, politics. He's, it's, the nice thing about it is he lives it, but he doesn't throw it in your face, and he, he doesn't go around and, preaching. And he did it. put he did light up the the um, the. The crucifix up on a little mountain right there, right? He he lit that up up there. So uh huh. And, he had, and cool. he had and he had to fight and win with Penman to get it. <laughs> so to me, he knows what he's the doing. more you get to know Brian, the more you realize this is the kind of individual we need in San Bernardino. And uh, Oliver, you've seen him out putting up his signs all around the Fifth Ward and doing that. And like you, you stopped and talked to him, and he he'll talk to anybody, right? You know what? He's a very down to earth kind of guy. You know what I liked about him is that he's out there with the people. He's not out there delegating. He's out there getting his hands dirty and putting up his signs, talking to people. That's the kind of people you want to see out there, you know, getting things done. And now, you know, I, I, I was a, a big supporter of Mr. Nickel, and I supported him on two uh, different elections. But sometimes I kind of feel like uh, we need to, uh, like, get new blood in there, you know. And, like, you get too comfortable in there, maybe it's time for Mr. Nickel to ascend up. You know, he did try to run for the 40th district, but running against Mr. Ramos, you can't do that to me. But, like, maybe something else maybe he, he would do very well at. But right now, um, I think we need some new blood in there. So uh, I can't vote in the 5th Ward. I'll be voting in the 7th Ward, and I'll be voting for Damon Alexander. But, uh, like, uh, um, otherwise, uh, you know, if you're in the 5th Ward, check out Brian Davison. He's a real cool dude. Yeah. Uh, I've known Henry for years, and Henry is a politician's politician. And I don't say that as a way of being nice. Uh, I really, honestly, for myself, who's who's squeaking Henry's, over there? Henry's uh, politics was basically based on I'm gonna tell anybody what they want to hear, what they want to do, this and that, and then I'll do whatever I want. And after a while, I don't care who you are, how nice you are, 
I'm done with you when I said you're well, even, How many years? I have no clue what I'm going to be doing on election night as of yet. Well, I haven't even thought about it. Well, when I hear about some parties, I'll let you know. Now, um, I do want to do a little bit of our history. You know I love history, and this is brought to you by uh, Juan Figueroa, uh, running for the third ward of San Bernardino. He's a good guy. He gets involved in community centers. He's involved in San Bernardino even before um, I even thought of him ever as a politician. So, like, that's the kind of person I like to see them involved in the community and getting out there and then actually uh, running for office and getting stuff. Now, he's run into a few uh, bumps in the road here and there, especially with um, the animal shelter and um, Mr. Valdivia and, and, and some of his antics. But, like, it's all good. Juan is still a quality guy. You can't put him right next to anybody. He's his own guy, just like you don't need to be right next to Mr. Trump in the, in the flyers. Like, he doesn't need to be placed right next to Mr. Valdivi. He's his own man. Judge him by his own qualities and what he's done. Yeah. Juan is a person, the more you get to know him, the more you appreciate his character. He is a man of character. And he he's is a smart. man of his word. He's intelligent. He and played chess against me, and he almost he did pretty good against uh, Mr. Kaminsky, and yeah. that's hard to do. Yeah, and he was doing things in the community long. He's been for such a long time. People don't even begin to realize how much he's put in the community. And it wasn't about politics with him. It was just about that's who he is as a person. So for him in the third war, I think he's an awesome fit going he's in, forward. He's in, he's in good shape, too. He ran in the turkey trot. He's ran in every turkey oh, trot and, I've and, seen. Yeah, and Jody, his uh, significant other, I'm not sure what their relationship is. She's really good on the running, and she's really intelligent, knows a whole lot. Worked very hard on the Animal Commission for a lot of things. Uh, I mean, there's a point in time when how many positives does that person have to have to where the negative people who all they do is trash people, that's about all they know how to do, you just quit listening to them. Juan is... He's a good dude. It's He's not fair dude. how they treat him. Well, um, I'd like you to check Juan out at www.votejuanfigueroa.com. And this, uh, this little history tidbit is brought to you by him. So we're going to talk a little about the 1910s in San Bernardino. And this is from the book, uh, one of my favorite books, San Bernardino Bicentennial by uh, Howard Weeks. Uh, John Howard Weeks, he was a, gr a good reporter for The Sun for a while there, and uh, he did a lot of our history, and I've seen quite a few of his uh, programs over there at uh, the Historical Society. A time for remembrance and a time for celebration, chapter 11. The somber effects of World War I, which, were, which dominated much of the 1910s, certainly were felt in San Bernardino, as they were around the globe. A total of 22 San Bernardino men gave their lives in what would be known as the Great War. Rest in peace, team. Rest in peace. Their names are com commemorated on a plaque adjacent to the Soldiers and Sailors Monument erected in 1916 in San Bernardino's downtown Pioneer Park. The monument was erected to honor the local heroes of all the American wars. Despite World War I, however, the 1910s were a decade of continuing growth and progress for San Bernardino. Paved roads began to appear as automobile traffic increased. So we're, this is during the transition from uh, horses to vehicles, not our transition now from paved roads to potholes. <laughs> so like we can, we can do better here, team. We can, we can, we can get out of that progression. We're not, we shouldn't have to go back to riding horses. So there's a lot of potholes out there. We really need to do something about it. But the paved roads began to appear as the automobile and traffic increased. The Rim of the World Highway was constructed in the years from 1914 to 1916, linking San Bernardino Mountains communities to each other and to the valley, starting and ending in San Bernardino. The 101-mile loop road, which dramatically improved and popularized tourist traffic in the region, was a brainchild of Dr. John Bayliss of San Bernardino, who led a grassroots effort to, and openly won the support of San Bernardino County Supervisors. The dream became reality during the first year of the new Rim of the World Highway, 1914. More than 2,000 automobiles made the trip, and the motor coach line also began operation. So it was a time of uh, new ideas. And uh, I mean, I'm sure there was people that thought that Rim of the World Highway would be a bad idea. That's no good. It's, it's cutting off this or, you know. But look at what it's done now. Our mountains are the <coughs> lifeblood of the county. Like, they draw people from all over the world to ski in our mountains. All over the world, right? So it's very important that we, uh, we, we, we sometimes need to, to take that initiative and embrace new ideas here in San Bernardino. Sometimes um, in our county and in our city, um, we, we get an older mentality 
uh, of the way things used to be. And a lot of times I want to go back to that great time in the 1970s when we won them one award for being like the great American city. But like let's 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 make a new great American city, but based on our new qualities that we got here. You know, we got a lot of great stuff in San Bernardino, and, and unfortunately, sometimes it's overtaken with these negative stories. But if we focus on our history, we focus on partnerships with Sam Manuel, we focus on partnerships with the county, um, I think San Bernardino could build right back up. I mean, we need an army of grant writers in there, kicking butt, taking names, writing Washington, writing the state. You know, uh, the governor should know San Bernardino by name just by the amount of grants that we write. Freaking great city again, not just a commuter place where people drive through. We will always teach each other in uh, Cal State San Bernardino about like we were the commuter campus. But it's starting to change now. There's all kinds of apartments around there and people can live in that area and stuff. So we want them to stay. We don't want them to just have a dorm experience and leave. We want them to have a dorm experience and buy a home in San Bernardino and take those skills right into the workplace. So. Uh, we do have a bright future, so don't let anyone bring you down with that negative stuff. All right, um, and talking about embracing new ideas, how are you doing on uh, cannabis over there, uh, Mr. Flores? Do you, do you hate cannabis? Do you like cannabis? How, how do you feel about cannabis? Well, to be honest with you, Robert, I'm, I'm pretty agnostic about it from a policy standpoint. The reality is it's legal in California. I mean, I think that's something that... It's obviously Legal clear. weed! Yeah, imagine that, Bob right? Bob Marley sung about that years ago! So the reality is, it's legal in California. I think like anything, how are you going to manage it? How are you going to regulate it? How are you going to, um, from a local standpoint, I think cities and counties should have the right to, to regulate it, you know, control their land use, whether they want it. What about it. a ban? What about a ban? Again, that's up to the jurisdictions. Uh, I, I think in San Bernardino County, if you're asking me, like, as a guy that wants to be a county supervisor, where do I think that fits in the mold for the county? I actually think hemp, industrial hemp, which okay. is a strain of, of cannabis, is a huge opportunity. We're seeing now in parts of our county unincorporated areas, uh, folks starting to cultivate industrial grade hemp. And now that it is legal as well, um, we're seeing some incredible opportunities economically. So out in, out in the desert, it's a hardy crop. It grows well. It doesn't require a ton of water. It's kind of built for large parts of San Bernardino County. And it's a huge economic opportunity that is untapped because only until recently could, was it, it could it also raise property values around those naysayers so like you have a cannabis or a hemp farm pop up what happens to the property values over there oliver i i think property values should increase uh because the simple point that there's going to be more patrolling of the officers around there uh the property owners themselves will have more pro uh, security on there. So I think and, it's going to be a safer. And realtors love to have that extra bit of zoning on their properties there. I hear, I hear real estate agents ask me all the time, how do I get a piece of property with a license? I go, it's impossible because they, they just restricted it so hard, it's hard to do it. And then, of course, in the county, there's a ban, so you can't even do it. So just, that, just before you're anti-weed and you own property... <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it could add $100,000 to your property's value. Well, one other uh, uh, important aspect is uh, we have uh, uh, problems with uh, serious uh, addictive uh, drugs. But this is a great option uh, for uh, medicine uh, where uh, a large uh, number of our population starts uh, accepting it more to use it um, and uh, get away from uh, the uh, problems that these uh, opium... Yeah, it's, that's a great point because methamphetamine and, and, and heroin are, are terrible on people's minds. And I'd much rather someone be smoking a J and, and craving a donut than, uh, than, than shooting up heroin and craving uh, my VCR or my DVD player, you know? I, I really... See, I just, just I a VCR at home. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty old. Actually, it just broke, man, and I'm all disappointed because I can't watch ET and Jurassic Park. I'm like, man. But uh, but but anyway, so so like, it, I I would hope that you would consider cannabis as, as a viable option in the future if yeah. you do win county supervisor. You know, I'm always at the county speaking on that. So. You're, you're always giving us great history lessons, and no, and, and you know the beauty is. There's a lot happening around the state around this. We can learn from others, right? There's lots of cities and jurisdictions that are trying ways to regulate, manage tax. Um, and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We have to look at what's working, best practices. And you can look across the country at certain states that I think are doing well. And let's see what works for us. So, yeah, and, absolutely. And just so you know, like being a lifelong smoker a long, long, long time, the best weed came from the county, man. It did. It, and it still does. They grow it in the mountains and in the desert. They, 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 
it was always coming from them. We'd have to wait for it to come. So, like, San Bernardino was the cannabis capital where they actually distributed it all. But still, it came from, like, it came from the county. So it's kind of like, you know, like, back in the days, if they would have been planting oranges, it'd be like, hey, wait a second. We can make money on these oranges. We should ban them. You know, that, that, it, it, it just doesn't make sense then. And, and now look at the, the sugar industry and, and orange juice and all that stuff. People don't tell you not even to drink orange juice, right? So, like, you know, like, it's up to the person. Let them do what they want. And if we can make some money on it by, while it's still a viable option, I think we should. Yeah. I was gonna, I'm going to add to that one. The idea of industrial hemp and supporting it, I, I love the idea. You know, I'm not a big marijuana fan. Never smoked it. I don't care one way or the other. It's just like, to me, a marijuana well, if shop, If you smoke though, some hemp, you'd know. But, uh, one day yeah. we'll get you a joint of hemp and a joint. Well, I, I, but that, that's just it. He's talking about industrial hemp, and we really need to draw a, draw a line between the two because hemp is an ancient product that has been used for cloths, for ropes. for the, It has all sorts of stuff in its own right. So for the industrial side of for, for profit, given our, our so just so you guys environment, understand, I think it's awesome. It's, it's the same species. And what's really funny is even George Washington talked about going home to separate his male and female plants um, when he was away at war. So the, the thing is, is that the only reason you separate male and female plants is not for clothing. It's for smoking and medicinal purposes because... Uh, true, but hemp was used well, well, industrial-wise big time. True hemp plants are actually hermaphrodites, and what they do that... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For is they want the whole field to ripen at the same time. So when they're all hermaphrodites, they all ripen at the same time versus the males ripening earlier than the females and you get brittle brittle uh, fibers. So they really want them all to be that way. In the hermaphrodites, you don't smoke. So the fact that a jacket, so uh, oh, right there are a lot on, of us right around. Tr trust me, there's there's nobody in the IE that isn't uh, related to, married to, or very close friends with somebody who's a yellow jacket. So I'm, I'm proud of that. Uh, my dad drove a truck for 44 years for Stater Brothers. It was the only job he ever had. It was a great job working for Jack Brown at Stater Brothers. My mom worked for the county for 20 years before retiring. So I'm a local kid, um, did well in school. I was fortunate enough to go to college, the first one in my family. Went to school back east, got an education. Went to graduate school, did some volunteer work, but at one point I knew I wanted to come back home. Like a lot of us were from where, California. Where, where'd you get your education? Uh, I have an undergraduate degree from Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. big boy! Where else? Uh, master's degree from Harvard. Uh, where, where, where's that? Where's that at? It's a small school in Cambridge, Massachusetts, <laughs> outside Boston. You might have heard of it. And then, uh, and then came back to California because honestly, it was the coldest winter I've ever had, and, and they had in ten years in, in Boston. I spent two hours digging my car out. I told my girlfriend, now wife, that we don't have to live like this. There's a place we can go where you can, you know, you can drive to the snow, enjoy it, go skiing, and then come home, man, <laughs> come kick on, back on yeah. your couch. So we came back to California. When there's snow, we all run outside. Yeah, there's exactly. snow. There's snow. It's very different when you're trying to get up and go to work at six in the morning and oh, dig your car man, out. So man. you know, not a fun lifestyle, but. Learned a lot, had a great time, came back to California, and I started working for the county. Um, had a temp job, basically working for the county. I was actually working for the Department of Child Support Services, so I was the guy that collected child support. Not the most popular guy in the county, you can imagine. But I learned a lot about public service, I learned a lot about customer service, and I learned that we have great people doing amazing things in the county. So I okay. stuck it out, got a regular job with the county, and then in 2005, I was picked up uh, by Supervisor Gonzalez, the county supervisor for the 5th District. And, and she's, is she termed out or did she... Uh, she is terming out. Yeah, this okay. will be her last year. So she'll be the last... Here's a bit so, of... So here's can, a bit can, of you, can you explain what termed out is real yeah, quick? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So uh, the county uh, now has term limits. They didn't always, but I believe in 2006, there was a change to the county charter that enacted term limits. And it says that no one should serve more than three terms as a county supervisor. No so, more than so three 12, terms. So 12 years. 12 years. Now... Josie got elected in 2004, so her first term didn't necessarily count towards that limit. Okay. So she will be the last supervisor to ever serve under, under this charter, unless it changes, to serve four terms, 16 years. So that's okay. a bit of, you know, bit of history there, a bit of information. Okay. But started working for her, worked my way up from the bottom all the way to the top, and I've been her chief of staff since 2011. 
and again, I, I absolutely fell in love with working for the county. I go to work every day downtown San Bernardino. I get to look at that beautiful Arrowhead every day. Yes. From 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 our office window, and you know, after working there uh, for a number of years, but also I'm a school board member at Colton uh, Joint Unified School District, okay. my hometown school district. I have kids that go to the school. Um, it was important to me that they that the schools are great, that they offer great opportunities. So I got elected to the school board back in 2012. Been on the school board ever since, doing great things uh, with our kids, with our families. And I'm ready to step up with Supervisor Gonzalez turning out. I'm ready to bring what I what I bring to the table, I think. You know, my education, background, my energy, my excitement, and the fact that I'm a young guy with a family looking to the future that want to raise them here. So, so how old are you? I'm 40. 40 years young. young. It's right. young, right? Yeah, it's young. I'm 43. All right. right? right? It's a good yeah. age. I agree. Yeah. Uh, how old are you? Uh, 69. 69? All right. Oh, that's that's one of the best of numbers back. ever. 69, baby. 69 hard-driven <laughs> years. <laughs> Oliver, how old are you? Uh, 45. And uh, Mr. Olson? I am 57, 58 in April. All right. So we have, we have, we have a, a really good a diversity. Pacific High School class of 1980. I, I was a pirate. pirate right? So, right so you're the youngster, but I yeah. do like 69 years young right there. That's all right, man. That's a good, uh, that's a good year. Um, so uh, it's a couple hard questions. Um, like, have you seen the homeless situation on our streets, man? It's like, it's, since you were a kid, yeah. we, had the, we had the hobo. And there was probably a few tweakers here or there, right? Yeah. But like, like you knew who those w people were, and and, and like you, you knew where they were dangerous. You knew if they were they were sweethearts or a teddy bear. You knew everything about them. But now, like, I most of the people I see, I don't I don't know them. Like, and like you get to know them, and sometimes they're transient, sometimes they're not. But uh, there's so many now, it's like hard to get to know everybody. So like. So what, what, what change that caused such an uprise in, in the homeless population, do you think? Wow, that, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a big question. And I think a lot of factors played into it. But here in San Bernardino and San Bernardino County, you know, we're struggling, obviously, with housing. Like, the cost of housing is, is a real challenge for folks. Rents are extremely high. It's difficult to buy a home. We were talking about that earlier. You know, the lack of home ownership is a real problem. But there are other issues. Luis alluded to the opioid crisis, you know. And when you look at the numbers, we have about 2,000 unsheltered homeless in San Bernardino County and 40% of those suffer from mental illness about 45% from substance use disorder so you know those are the homeless adults the the chronically homeless adults that you you can't look at the homeless problem without understanding there's a medical and a clinical side to this and you really have to look at it through that lens because these folks have have problems that go beyond just housing so so as a so like as a as a board of supervisor member would you advocate like hiring more mental health representatives to, to get out there or like do we need to build more facilities for them to to voluntarily uh, go into that's not going to be like you have to go but more like here's a shelter for you if you wish to use it and we have these uh, amenities here like you can take a shower you can get some new clothing um, like I, I heard Mr. Lovingood talking about uh, homeless solutions but he's all he said was like we need to get more money for that, you know. Like, well, that's where cannabis comes in. You make some taxes on it. But like, like, how would you go? What would be your yeah. main? What's your like? What do you? You're talking point sure. for this? Yeah, and I again, I, I try to focus on the chronic homeless challenge because homelessness is a big group. You have folks that just you know maybe they've been priced out of their apartment, maybe they lost uh, lost their home. But I think when folks talk about homelessness, you're on the street talking, they're talking about the chronic homeless in the park, right? Mm -hmm. The guy that's shuffling up and down on E Street. Yeah, yeah. You know, the guy that's sleeping out in front of the storefront and it bothers people or th those are our chronic <laughs> that are going to go to the parks. We know where they're at. We know them by name. You talk about it. some of them we actually know by name. And oh, it may horrible. take, yeah, <laughs> and it may take contact after <clears throat> contact, but we can get them uh, the help they need and get them off the street. I think that's, that's critical. But we also have to have the facilities and we need to create more beds we don't have enough psychiatric beds in this county. County hospital needs to expand the number of beds, provide pediatric beds. So it's a combination of things. There's a lot that we want to put into this. And I do think we need to look at Laura's law, which can be a little controversial, but it's a law that if the county adopted it, allows for court-ordered treatment for folks that have a history of hospitalizations or jail time uh, and a history of violent behavior. And these are the folks that are refusing help, but we may say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna. Yeah, there's some crazy people out there. I this one guy actually, Manel at the Green Shack, like, kicked her in the stomach and sliced her her son's arm with a razor blade. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not all nice people down there. There's some of them that I know that 
they're sweet as pie and they just like their alcohol or drugs a little too much and that's what that's the life they chose but even if those people i think if they had an opportunity to have somewhere stable to sleep they might pick that over the park because the park is just where the gangbangers take advantage of the, the yeah, they, sure they, they really, and true. they can't go to the police, so. That's true. Yeah, a lot of homeless are victims because, especially oh, the mentally so ill, much, so they're much, the yeah. ones that are victimized. So I think this idea that, you know, we need to leave them, you know, this is a life that they're choosing and let them live the life they want to choose. Listen, if you don't have the mental capacity to really recognize where you're at, that's not, that's not the humane thing to do. I think it's the inhumane thing to do. I think we need to be more proactive and really help these folks get in the, get in the programs that get them off the street. Because, yeah, you're right. They're definitely the victims of, of and, many of the and, crimes. And there's, there's, like you said, it has to be divided up into different things. Yeah. All right, I'd like to talk to a little bit to Luis over here, Mr. Blanco. What, t tell us a little bit about yourself. Besides oh, yeah. that, we're uh, Starbucks homies, and he's there every morning <laughs> if you need to meet with him. Uh, well, I was born and raised in San Bernardino. Um, my uh, mom was from Mexico City. My dad was uh, from San Bernardino. And uh, I was number three out of seven kids, uh, kind of a typical family in Meadowbrook where, where we lived. In the brook? In the brook, yes, absolutely. And, and uh, I've been trying to get him to write a book, a historical book on the brook, and I think it would be incredible, and it would, they'd sell it in the historical society. But Meadow, you know. Meadowbrook was, was an area that was very diverse. Uh, it was where all the people went. Uh, where they couldn't get anywhere else uh, in the other neighborhoods. Uh, so uh, uh, we got a, quite a, a wide range of people. Was there, was there discrimination when you were a kid? Or? Not really. Okay. No, no, we all accepted each other. We were all in the same boat. And, okay, so uh, we they, didn't know the, the difference. You so know. The, the laws were, the, you know, like the like a Vi, uh, former Mayor Vias talks about how they, at the, the plunge pool they couldn't swim um, except on a certain day because they drained the pool the next day. And they had, they literally, the San Bernardino was the start of our, the, the civil rights movement in the United States. Yeah, I, I wasn't conscious of any of that growing okay. up. Uh, but uh, I, again, I grew up in a, in a typical way. Uh, I was um, kind of a wild. Um, Whoa! Wild. My dad was a, a, a boxer. Uh, he uh, was a... Um, uh, a soldier in the World War II, okay. uh, went to North Africa and shot him up. He was, uh, he was quite world, active. He, uh, oh, yeah. A disabled veteran, huh? Uh, yeah, but okay. uh, he was, uh, I mean, he was, he was My in, father in the too. middle of it. Yeah, and you heard those stories. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so I was pretty wild as I was uh, uh, moving along in school. I, I discovered uh, by accident a, a wrestling uh, sport in hi high school at Pacific. And uh, uh, my alma mater, right there. And, there, and at there at that point, it changed my life basically because I, I got used to the uh, uh, the work, you know, the techniques, the strategies, all that. Uh, it, it fit me well, and uh, I had to uh, basically um, let go of the other side uh, of all my friends who uh, were pretty upset at me because uh, you know I was abandoning them, uh, but. Um, and from there, I um, uh, went to uh, locally to SBBC. Uh, then I went uh, to UCLA, and then uh, whoa, uh, all right. Yeah. And then uh, uh, later on, uh, after I've been working, I I, uh, I went to law school, and uh, um, and I basically was a person who uh, um, was a work working working guy. I worked for the uh, county for about uh, about twenty five years. And then I was recruited from the uh, federal government, uh, uh, the ju Judiciary Federal Public Defender's Office. And uh, there, that's where I, I uh, finished my uh, uh, career. I was a uh, trial investigator. And uh, um, I found it very interesting, very exciting, very creative, uh, and helping, again, uh, people. That's a super success story. I, I um, mean, so from going from the brook, a lot of people, I know a lot of people that grew mm -hmm. up in the brook, and they... I, they have decent jobs, but some of them, they're in prison. You, uh, I did do, uh, cause I, and I felt very strongly about this, is uh, the, the, uh, the, the one thing that really helped me was uh, sports in, in school, and that allowed me to stay in school and, 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 and pick up other interests. Uh, so what I started doing was uh, uh, spreading this, this type of, uh, of, of uh, offering. I started... Uh, uh, coaching, uh, starting uh, programs for the kids um, at um, 
Uh, I first started off at uh, uh, Fifth Street uh, Compost uh, uh, Park on okay. Fifth Street. Okay, all right. And uh, what I did is I got the county to donate some uh, uh, funds. Uh, the city donated a, a facility, which was there. And uh, uh, high schools donated uh, uh, mats. And uh, I, I passed basically about 300 kids through there, and mostly all of them were um, uh, uh, from uh, the Mount Vernon area. Well, and uh, Louis, like, um, like your wife would say, Thank you so much, man. Like, be, you're a real community advocate. It's, it, you know, and it's hard to come on here on the radio and tell your story and everything. Mm -hmm. and, and, and to have a good story like that, it just makes me smile. Because if we had a thousand of you, oh, man. man. Let, me, let me add that uh, these kids were uh, changing right before my eyes because they, they were uh, acquiring new identities. Uh, they were proud of themselves. And they, uh, before you know it, they were having, uh, uh, when we go to these uh, tournaments, they'd have just uh, uh, large groups of people following them and being their friends, you know, their age group. Uh, and, and not to mention, most of them were, were Anglos. Uh, but uh, it, 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 it was amazing to, uh, to watch them uh, uh, transform like that. Um, uh, and um, after that, I started, uh, after my own kids, uh, uh, they, they they were pretty good. They've got. Uh, There's one in the audience yeah, over here. Yeah, the world champion there. Uh, Louis Jr. Champion, yeah, national champion. Uh, he got two two uh, sets of uh, of uh, um, scholarships, fully paid. So my, my son did basically the same thing, and they uh, they be, you know, they they did a lot of good things. And and a lot of the other uh, uh, kids that I was working with, they they were also very very uh, um, uh, successful. But it was what, what I enjoyed more was to uh, work with these kids and give them another option. And then I, I started coaching at the high schools. I was a high school uh, uh, coach, uh, head coach at the uh, uh, Colton and uh, Bloomington. And, um, and that's basically it. Well, uh, well, well, thank you for your service. You're not off the hook yet. Uh, Oliver, I'd like you to ask them each, you know, ask them a question. Either of you can answer. Uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about, you mentioned something earlier. Um, sir, one of the questions that I have is my main fear is, as you know, we're getting older. What are the, is the youth of today going to do for us when we get older? They're not, in my opinion, and please no, don't take offense out there, they're not being productive. They have no morals nowadays. They're tough, but they're soft in many ways. We need more after-school programs, like, like the gentleman was saying, where they could go out there, stay off the streets. We need to have them get some sort of intro to a trade. We don't need hourly jobs. We need people to have trades. I'd, my, hourly jobs, there, there's plenty out there. There's a will, there's a way. They could find a job. But we need people with trades. That's going to help our homelessness. Like, like welding or being an ambulance driver or, you know, working at the county or working at a truck driver for 40 years. Yeah. 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 So I guess what I'm trying to get at, sir, is what, what can we do to help the youth of t today be men and women of tomorrow, not just, oh, yeah, I'm here. I want to see them productive. That's, you know, like my daughters. I told them, you don't need a man. You get, get up, go to school, work your butt off. I got one going to Cal State San Bernardino. The other one's going to be a vet tech. The other one, while well, she got married, her husband's a police officer or working on that. And I'm proud of it. You know, I want to see kids of today succeed. That's all I want to see. How, what can we do to help them? I think we failed them enough. I'll, I'll tell you from my perspective, at least as a school board member, I'm, there's something to exactly what you said, Oliver, about we lost a lot of kids along the way. I was part of a generation that it was college or bust, right? Everybody had to go to college, college, college. And, and listen, college is great. And I'm proud of the fact that I got to go to college, the first in my family. But college is not the only option to a great career or a great life. And when you kind of force everybody into one line, yep. and, and, it, and I tell people, even now, it's not about intelligence. It's not about aptitude. It's about interest. It's about where your passion lies. And if you're good at working with your hands and you really want to get out there and, and maybe you've got the, the knack to be a great um, carpenter or an electrician and the trades are options. There was a time when trades were prominent in our schools mm -hmm. and we got away from it. Now, I think we're starting to see the pendulum swing back, but we lost a generation of kids. We really did. I had a lot of friends who, like, college wasn't for them. Now, some of them I were agree. successful. 
started a business, went out and did their own thing because they just had the smarts. But we lost a lot of folks along the way who just found and, their and ways. some of them aren't. Some of them are in jail right yeah, now. Cause yeah, because we didn't give them another option that is just as good. And even now, I'll tell you this. We talk about this a lot. We talk about college or, or career. Uh, and, in, and when we do that, we still treat it like if somebody goes off and joins a trade or a union, that it's somehow less than college, right? Like, oh, it's too bad you didn't make it to college. Okay, you know, go join a trade or go, go join a local. Listen, when I graduated college, I had a whole lot of student debt, and, and I wasn't sure how I was going to make a living. Most of the guys, men and women that I know leaving the union, they don't have debt. In fact, they were paid, mm-hmm. and they got jobs ready to go, and they're making good money to this day. So we need to bring that balance back to our schools and make sure that we're giving kids options, and it's not either or. It could be both. You can go and get college credit working for the carpenters or working for some of these trades. And then you can work, but you can also go back and finish your bachelor's degree, start a business, become a contractor. All of those things need to come back to our schools. We need to change the way that we talk about futures, jobs, careers. And that, that's doable. I think another thing that kids nowadays need to realize is that failure is only going to make you stronger. Back in 2005 when we had the meltdown, I had my real estate license. I had no, nothing else to do. The market crashed. I was struggling. My family, you know, I was too proud to go on welfare. And I told my dad, I go, what do I do, Dad? He goes, what can you do? He drove a big rig back then. I got my license, Robert. Mm -hmm. I drove for years. I gave up my commercial license a couple years back. And I'm proud to say that during that time, it taught me some valuable lessons about life. You know, you failed, but there's always a way up. And yeah. kids need to realize that. Luis? I'd like to add something. Uh, <clears throat> what what you, you guys said are so important. It's so true. Uh, one of the things that I used to do is, is a lot of benefits. Even the, even the going into the military is a lot of benefits. Uh, they, you know, you get the, the, the benefits. Uh, you get training. Uh, they socialize you. They get you out of, out of the, uh, the, the environment you're in. Um, Or uh, even starting a a taco vending or mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, it all can lead to success. But but I got a lot of pushback, okay, for for making that uh, request to stop doing this and let's change our structure more. But uh, well, you let me know who those politicians are, and we'll bring them on blast. I got a list for you right here. All right, uh, Mr. Olson, do you have a question? Yeah, I I'm born and raised in San Bernardino. I don't work in San Bernardino, so I'm exposed to a lot of different communities. And I'm exposed to really basically two different worlds. Where I work, <clears throat> they're doing well, they're successful, and so on and so forth. Um, but when I drive across that border into San Bernardino, it's a different world. And my whole thing, uh, and you're already living it, you're already doing it, and that's great. He's out in the community, he's helping, and it's real help. Too many of the people now, they get online, and they start hammering on the keys, and they think they're helping. I'm, I got news for you. If all you're doing is what you're doing on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the latest so is, true. this guy's out. He's doing the real stuff. When he's in the county supervisor's office, he has to deal with the real stuff every single day. I am to the point now where I've been around the political world now for about 10 years. And I'm not interested in people's opinions. I'm not interested in what they think. I'm interested in what they do. I mean, and I'm going to use the Seventh Wars in his example. College professor, all of his life. He will tell you how wonderful he is about everything. He's an urban fantasy professor in my book, okay? What has he done? One big thing he did, and he doesn't even talk about it, is he was a part of SBX. Why? Nobody likes SBX. So my question to, mainly to you is, as somebody who's been in jo- Josie Gonzalez's office, you're well aware of the issues in San Bruno. You know, you've been through it, you've lived it. You know, you can be a council person in the city of Fontana, for example, and you may know Fontana really well, but what you know in Fontana doesn't apply in Rialto and doesn't apply in Colton and probably most definitely, I mean, the differences between Fontana and San Bernardino are enormous. And if you don't understand both of them, you're going to miss out as a supervisor. And we need somebody who really knows how to look at all of it. And I wanted you to address that as somebody who's worked for the county supervisor's office, how you deal with the different issues in the different cities, because San Bernardino needs some special love. And you're absolutely right. And our cities, and we've got four of them in the 5th District, and we work well with all of them. I, I know not only the electeds, but the staff. I've been there 15 years. 
but there comes a time when not everything is equal. And city of San Bernardino undoubtedly needs more help uh, and is more challenged than I would say any other city in the county right now. And I go to San Bernardino every day. For 15 years, I drive to downtown San Bernardino, and I take that to heart because I see a lot of what you see. But an offshoot of this campaign is I've been knocking on a ton of doors for the last several weeks, most of them in the city of San Bernardino. And when you hear, hear people tell you their story of how they moved to the city, I heard a man who, who had lived in the city now for more than 50 years. He worked for— I got him beat by seven. No, there you go. <laughs> And he was telling me that he now looks back and regrets the choice to buy a home. And it's a beautiful home up in North Park. And there are beautiful neighborhoods all over San Bernardino. And to hear somebody say that after 50 years of investing their time, their life, their, their, their everything pretty into sad, the city, man. it's sad. It but, you know, at the same time, it's a challenge that I feel we have to be up to as a county and, and as an individual. What am I doing to make San Bernardino a better place? And the two issues that I hear from knocking on doors, homelessness, yes, is a concern. But safety, I mean, let's be honest, true. people are concerned about safety. So the county can and should play a role. And I think we need to do more for San Bernardino than we've done for other cities. And I think the other cities will understand why. We missed an opportunity, in my opinion, and this is where I'll be honest. I think when the bankruptcy hit, there was a lot of political momentum to help the city. Uh, I would have liked to see the county maybe do more and jump on that to say, we've got to do something because right now everybody's looking at San Bernardino. And I don't think anybody would complain if we put a little extra energy and resources into the city. Yeah. I still feel that way. And as, as somebody that works in the office with Josie, but I'll tell you, somebody that wants to be in that seat, there's no question in my mind that San Bernardino's got to be at the top of the list to address the homeless and the safety issues. My, my big concern in that respect is the County Board of Supervisors is a legislative position. And... I would like to see somebody who really honestly understands from a legislative perspective how to help us. Now, one of our problems in San Bernardino was we're very, very good over the last 13, 14 years of rejecting help. So, so we're at two you minutes, know. and uh, uh, live radio doesn't wait for anybody, but I'd like you to get out how to find out more about yourself. Could you yeah. please uh, give me your website yeah. and everything? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we're on Facebook, so you can look up Dan Flores for Supervisor on Facebook. That'll pop up. And we do have a, uh, a web page. Obviously, you can Google Dan Flores for Supervisor, and it is danfloresforsupervisor.com. So we're online, and we're on Facebook. Is there anything you'd like to say and in closing, Luis? Uh, no, this was very, very good, I, and, and, and thank you very much for getting this together. Oh, no worries, no worries. Anything you'd like to say in closing? No, I thank the opportunity, and, and there's a lot of love around here. I, too, believe in the city of San Bernardino, and our, I think San Bernardino's best days are ahead, but it's going to require all of us, and not just the city, We've got to step in and help the city, too. So we need to get out there, team. we got to register to vote. I think we can register the same day. Um, right now, you can. Um, we'll also be doing the presidential primary. And if you are an MPP like me, you can request a Democratic ballot and vote in the Democratic primary if you wish. You cannot in the Republican, but you can in the, um, in the Democratic primary. Yeah. So I will be doing and, that. And I want to say in the primary, I want to clear one thing up. You can't vote for Republican if you're not a Republican because that is a choice of the Republican Party. Okay, there's a lot of confusion about a lot of things, but when it comes down to the Republican Party and their primaries, they will only allow Republicans to vote, and that's just Boo. the way they did it. Anyways, this is... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.